Okay, so tonight we're going to continue with, uh, start with a few corrections from the last week's, uh, the last time she wore uh, a few additions, uh, new ma'asim that I learned about, and then we'll continue explaining something that I forgot to explain last week as I was listening to the shiur. I realized I said we're going to mention something in a minute, and then I never mentioned it, so my apologies to everybody who listened, uh, but we'll get to it now. And then we're going to spend a lot of time tonight talking about coffee, and we'll see why uh, in a few minutes. So thank you again for having me, and uh, without further ado, we'll uh, get into the corrections. I said last week that in England they drink 14 and a half gallons of apple cider per year. It's 14 and a half liters, not gallons. Sorry if you're English, if I made you look more like a drunkard than you actually are. Um, still, it's a lot, not including everything else. But anyway, there's that. Um, also new that happened, I was listening to a show from Rabbi Akiva Niehaus, who's the director of liquor and alcohols with the CRC in Chicago, who mentioned that it's very likely that the policy for the CRC and the major hashkachas going further is to only recommend uh, beers and other liquors that have hashkacha. The reason being is that even though the, the rule of thumb used to be bigger is better, meaning what? Meaning bigger breweries like Budweiser or uh, to a certain extent, Yingling or some of the other ones that you know are shipped nationally or even internationally. So we thought, well, they don't have the the space and the wherewithal to make uh, all sorts of crazy beers. It's not exactly the case anymore. He said he went to visit a uh, brewery, and everything looked pretty uh, pretty good, pretty okay. And then they noticed there was one room off to the side that said, yeah, over here, you know, we make uh, an oyster beer and we make. Uh, you know, uh, some other, this is our, you know, R&D department. We just make a bunch of random things the brewers decide they want to make and see what we want to do with it. I said, okay, so it's off in the side room. Nobody goes there. You're not using it when you're doing the regular brewing. It should be fine. But then he noticed the, the piping in the brewery. He said, where's the, uh, you know, the steam and the heat come from? He says, oh, it's shared steam. So the main brewery and this little R&D room, they use the same steaming and heat lines. So that means that the steam that's given off and used to heat the oyster beer is the same steam that's used to make the regular beer. So they couldn't give a certification to this brewery even though everything else about it seemed uh, pretty innocuous. So that, uh, that uh, you know, there's also, he said, there's a brewery in Boston. Every year they make a pepperoni pizza beer. And what they do is instead of adding flavoring, they actually go out and buy 24 extra large pepperoni pizzas and throw them in the vat while they're making the beer. Which just in general, not even from a kosher standpoint, just sounds disgusting. Um, but that's definitely not kosher. So there's a lot of things that are going on in the beer world that are not what they used to be, and therefore, it's not happened yet. Um, and I will say, you could rely on whatever is on the approved list, whether it's certified or not. But probably in the next couple of years, the official policy of all the major shkachas is going to be: do not rely on any beer unless it's certified. And there are numbers that are. I sent out a a, a list to the group with li links to the both the CRC app and the uh, the Star K list, and also just generally 
uh, found ones which shouldn't be uh, problematic. Um, but that now it's all this rule that you just said about the beer is applying for all the hard, the liquor too, because they're adding all kinds of stuff to everything now. Yeah, it, it's it's becoming problematic everywhere. Liquors are, I'd say, a little more behind the game. They're not typically making oyster whiskey, um, and if they are, it's really well advertised. But the beers, even if it's not advertised, you have no idea what else is going on in the brewery, especially with these little microbreweries where they're using the same um, they're using the same vats and the same kalim to make every run of their beer. So they're only you only have let's say two. They can make two batches at a time, but they have twelve different beers. So they're just rotating them through the kalim whenever they you know they drain one, put in a new one. So. Uh, the kalim are, are a problem, whether or not there's actually some sort of non-kosher ingredient in that specific batch or not. So again, as I said last time, if you can find a beer with Ashkafa, that's the best. Uh, but if you can't, at least get something that's on one of the other lists. And at this point, I used to say, you know, if it looks innocuous, it probably is. I will not say that anymore. Um, it has to be on a list somewhere that somebody's actually looked into. Now, going forward tonight, I, I missed uh, last night, there's a line in the Shulchan Ruf in Kufya Dalat Sef Aleph, where Maran says, "Velo asru ela shekoveya atzmo lishto kederach adam koveya b'shtia." So he says, "We're not. It's not us to drink beer or any of these other things in uh, in a non-Jewish establishment unless you're actually koveya b'shtia, or which." We'll see what that means in a second. If you're going there and you're going to go aray ba'akray, aray meaning not in a koveya way, and akray meaning not not uh, regil, not regular mutar. So what what does what does that mean? So it happens to be this is a chidush that comes from the rush. Now. Before we get into the actual lashon of the Rosh, I do want to say that there's a common misconception that a lot of people have. The Maranavi Joseph, when he picked his three Amudei Hora'ah, his three pillars of halacha, the Rambam, the Rif, and the Rosh, that he picked the Rosh because he's Ashkenazi. So he had two Sardim and at least one, you know, token Ashkenazi in the in the, the, tri, in the triumvirate, and that's not the case bichlal. It's known throughout the uh, the generations there were different pisukim and ramazim that that uh, people picked for maran the ramah the chida and the kafachayim bring down that uh, there's a pasuk uh, when talking about yosef when he was ruling mitzrayim this is, the parot tells the people lechul yosef asher yomal lechata asu so the chida and the kafachayim say that's uh, this is why we follow maran with yosef right go to yosef whatever he says that's what you should do. The Khatam Sofer says, no, we have another klal comes from Shemot. It says, And the plan words of Raman Ramah. So the Bnei Yisrael, we follow the Ramah. There's another line which is brought in the Mishpat of Tzedakah Yaakov or Yaakov ibn Sur, who says, he brings a pasuk from Yechezkel, which says, Ki makom asher yifne harosh yelechusham. Right? Anywhere the Rosh turns, whichever way the Rosh go, goes, that's the way we're going to go. And why is that? The Rosh was the student of the Mara Mirattenberg, who was imprisoned by the German authorities. And when he was imprisoned, he told the people, don't ransom me. 
because there's halakha, you're supposed to ransom everybody you can, but if they're going to charge some exorbitant prices, and it's going to encourage them to start kidnapping more people so they can get more ransom money, so you're not supposed to ransom them. So he said, that's what they're going to do. You're going to ransom me, then they're going to either capture me again, or somebody else, and it's going to encourage them, don't ransom me. And for years, he died in prison, and even for years afterward, they didn't even ransom his body. They eventually did years later, but one of his... Tamidim Uvhak was the Rosh, Rabbeinu Yashar ben Yechiel, and he figured that they're going to come for me too, because he was, a, is, again, a Tamid of the, the Marami Ramberg, so he fled to Spain. And he went to Catalonia, he learned with the Rashba for a little bit, and the Rashba said, you need it in Castilla. So he went to Castilla, and in very quick order, he became the Posek for all of southern Spain. To the point where a lot of the Binagim from the Spaniards that left in the Inquisition, that became the dominant minhag in Morocco. Right? The, 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 the minhagim of the Megorashim actually, to a certain extent, superseded the old minhagim of the Toshavim that lived in Morocco, and uh, to a lesser extent in Turkey and in Israel. but the, the opinions of the Rosh are, are not, he's not included uh, because he's Ashkenazi, he's included because the Rosh is the, the Rabbana the Sfaradi. So here we have to learn this Rosh and we have to, we're going to have to, to really uh, figure out what exactly he's going with here and how we're going to deal with him. So when the Rosh is talking about the situation of we're not allowed to, to consume Shekhar in a, a non Jewish uh, Makom, he says, we're not so machmir with this, like we are with bread. So people live off of bread. That's uh, you have to have it. So we're more machmir with bread than we are with sheikhar. Sheikhar is a drink, you know, it's not as big a deal. So we're not going to make as big a zero here. It says, so he says, it's only usher if you're going to go there and you're going to actually sit there and, you know, not in a, in a random fashion, you're going to actually covey yourself. So we're not entirely sure what, that, what he means. Continues of Alim Nichnas Leveda of the Kokavim, which showed the Derek Arai, Baakrai, Baama Logazero. So if you sit there and you drink in a way that's not so normal and you don't do it regularly, so then we don't have a problem. The Chain Hayuno, Gim Kogadola Eretz Hai, which happens to be in England. In England, the people used to just go, but Derek Arai, Baakrai, and we'll get to what that means in a second, and, we'll, and, and they, would, they would consume it that way. Now, what, this is not brought in the Gemara anywhere. This is a Chidush of the Rosh, and the Chochman Adam learns something from this that also isn't even in the Rosh. In Klal Samak Vav, in Sif Yodalit, he says, so he says, 
Oh, so if you go there because you happen to be staying there, you're allowed to drink it. Or if you're thirsty, and you're going to drink something there because you're thirsty, so that's fine. So the, the Chokhmah Adam is learning the Russia saying that the difference is if you're going to drink something that you would serve to kind of be mechabed your guest. That's what Kuveya means. You're drinking something that not, you know, not that I'm going to somebody's house and knocking on the door and saying, hey, can I have a glass of water? I'm really thirsty. Or Powerade or whatever it is. But if it's something you're going to give to a guest, you're going to offer them a beer, you're going to offer them uh, you know, a, more, a more hush of a drink, you know, you're going to sit down, you're going to talk, and you're going to actually make a, a matzav out of the whole situation. And not just, you know, it's there for five seconds. That seems to be what the problem is. But from the, are we asking questions? Yeah, go ahead. From the Chachman Adam that you read, it sounds like it's not about the drink, it's about the circumstances, right? Like, if I'm walking down the street and I'm thirsty and I go into the bar and order a beer, it sounds like according to the Chachman Adam, that's not a problem. So it, it should be like, like that. Like, he didn't say the kind of drink, he said the reason you're drinking. Right, it, it, it should theoretically be like that. Um, happens to be... Where is it? Mm-hmm. I was reading David Cohen. I can't find it in the book right now. And his alcoholic beverages. Where David Cohen says that he, the rush is going to make a chilek between things that you are going to. That you dr- it's not just the way you're drinking it, but it ha- has to do with the type of drink itself. Um, and it could be, we'll learn that from the Rush in a little bit, because the Rush seems to say that it's, he actually wants to forbid even non-alcoholic beverages, which is a big chidush. Um, no one else that I know of is going to say that a non-alcoholic beverage... The Rosh is going to forbid non-alcoholic beverages to drink them in a non-Jewish store, which is a huge chidush. It's not, nobody else says, says this like the Rosh. And I know, we know that he says this, or that, that that's his opinion, because he continues on and he says, Devashvil Anitin. So later, our Gemara that we were learning last week was in Avodazar Lamed Aleph Amid Bet, where we said that Sheikhar is forbidden. Tosa said that it's all types of beer or all types of alcoholic beverages and not just the uh, date beer, which was common in the times of the Gemara. It's all types of alcoholic beverages. The Mishnah in Lamed Amid Bet says, these are what are permitted to be eaten. And it goes, this is chalav, shechavo, v'gochim. So this is the, 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 um, uhu. So if you have uh, milk, that non-Jew milk, and a Jew saw it, so that's allowed. And then it says, v'dvash. It says, honey. And we said last time that the gezera on Shechar was not, in, was not included in the Mishnah. You won't find it anywhere in the Mishnah. And it's only a gezera that Moriah. So it's a very weak gazera. It's not a gazera that tanayim, like the gazera on, on wine or on bread or on bishalakum or, or on gvinasakum or on, on you know, chalavisral. Those are all older gazeras. 
And the mission that the Gemara is going to say that's talking about cooked, uh, it's talking about cooked date, uh, cooked date beverage. So the Rush says, "V'dvash devanitin haynu mashke she'osim dvash." It's a mashke, not a sheikhar. It says it's a mashke she'osim dvash. Right? And then he says, and he brings two relative proofs. This means that Amar all of the Gemara imashum b'shuli ovikochavim. He says, what the Mishnah says it's allowed to drink, either it's in, he's saying it's in a Jewish house, or he's saying, And he says, when they asked her Shekhar later in the times of the, of, uh, the Gemara, so then they also asked Dvash beverages. There's a very simple explanation for this Mishnah and for the Gemara that says we're talking about Kokh Dvash. The very simple explanation, which the Rush totally ignores, is the memory in our Gemara that tells us that Shekhar Zasar is talking about an alcoholic beverage. And that the Mishnah and the Gemara is talking about a non-alcoholic beverage. And that's the way most of the posts can go. Problem is, the Rush does not like this answer. And he says it has to be that it's either I'm taking this Dvash drink and I'm bringing it home, or the the case in the Mishnah and that the Gemara is explaining on the Mishnah is before this Gezerah ever took place. So I know for a fact that because those are the only two opinions that the Rosh brings, the Rosh is going to tell me any beverage that's made by a non-Jew, whether it's alcoholic or not, is going to be a problem. Now how far does he take that? Is he going to take it and tell me Coca-Cola's usher? Theoretically, I mean, it's a sweet drink. Maybe, uh, maybe soda would fall under that uh, that prohibition. Is he going to tell me that uh, vitamin water is a problem? Is he going to tell me that seltzer is a problem? Is he going to tell how how far is the rush going to go with this? Do we know what this drink is? I mean, maybe they didn't have non-alcoholic honey drinks. There are examples of alcohol. You could cook honey and make it like a liquid out of it. it at home. But did they culturally eat it in medieval Europe? Um. Oh, it'd be in the times of Gemara. It'd be in Bavel either. either. Or the Rosh is writing either one. So, like, do we know what beverage the Rosh is talking? I'm not entirely sure that we know what beverages. Rabbi Cohen does bring down an example of this type of beverage. So theoretically, it would have exist. I mean, if you wanted to, I mean, this could even be something as simple as I warmed honey up and cooked it in water and just drank it like that. But there are other beverages that are like honey and water and spices. Um, that theoretically, the, the the Russians say that that's what the Russians are talking about, and therefore that would be usher. So, so we have this problem now with the Rosh saying, telling us that dvash is our our biggest problem, or not just dvash is our biggest problem. That even non-alcoholic beverages are, are still a big problem. Happens to be again. A lot of postgame don't go like this. And I'm going to state this now that a lot of what we're saying is academic. It's going to be completely different at the end of it. But I just want to bring out the sugyo. But it could even be, <coughs> I'm misopic about this, about what the opinion of Manabit Yosef is. There's, there's two ways of looking at what happens when Moran brings something to Beit Yosef and doesn't bring it to the Shulchan Aruch, and you really have to look at it on a case-by-case -case basis. Sometimes when Moran says something to Beit Yosef and he doesn't say it in the Shulchan Aruch, sometimes the Ramah just quotes it and puts it as Beit Yosef, and that's that. 
and he's just telling you, the Beit Yosef, you're not supposed to, according to Beit Yosef, you're not supposed to learn the Shulchan Aruch by itself. You're supposed to learn it in conjunction with the Beit Yosef. So he's not going to bring every single deen that he brings in the Beit Yosef, because you're not supposed to just use the Shulchan Aruch. You're supposed to look at all the post and everything he brings in the Beit Yosef. But sometimes he brings something Beit Yosef, and he either doesn't bring it in the Shulchan Aruch, or he says something totally against it. Sometimes he was choser. Here, I'm not entirely sure where, where Moran falls. And it's, it, it's really kind of possible either way. I could, he, he doesn't mention any non-alcoholic beverage. Moran right? never mentions an alcoholic beverage. The, this entire Sif and Sif Aleph, again, he says, Kol sheikhar shal obikochim, echad sheikhar shal temarim, o shal te'enim, o shal te'orim, o shal te'vua, o shal te'vash, asr mishum chad. No. So he brings five different uh, species. Right? Whether it's date or fig or barley or wheat or, or, or honey, if it's a shekhar, then it's usher. So it doesn't say anything about any type mashka. He's not telling me if I had a, an Odul's, right, a non alcoholic beer, is that a problem? He doesn't say anything about, about that. And even in Sifgimel, he says, Yintapuchem, Vinyuronim, that should be alcoholic also. It's not saying, you know, Meitapuchim or, or apple juice or something like that. He's talking about a, he's talking about a wine. He's talking about something alcoholic. So he totally excludes this dinner of the rush. But the problem is in the Beit Yosef, Moran seems to hold like the rush because he says v'ketav asman. So the smog tells me that, as we like the Ramah says, that um, that we're, we're only offering the Sheikhar Tamarim, right? Date beer and honey and any other type of drink is allowed. And the Haggadah Sherry, which is the commentary on the rush, also happens to agree with the smog. He says, Katu b'sefer truma. He says, brings down from the sefer truma. Matir advash, afilu v'etagoy, de lo chazinan, man da asrle, mishum de leka kule haikir of dat, kemo ha-sheikhar. And so he says that also, honey is not going to be a problem. Then he says, ve'in niru l'orzerua. The orzerua disagrees as to what the sefer truma holds and disagrees with the Haggadah Sheri. Velo shari devash, elo v'beto, velo v'etagoy. So he says, only if you bring it home. And then he says, the king ketav rush. He says, the rush says, no, also, you can't have any sort of dvash. He doesn't say sheikh dvash, he says mashka dvash. So theoretically, the Beit Yosef should be holding like the rush also. And again, it's not you know, it's that far-fetched to say that he's going to hold like the rush because we have a general clout of what? Ki makom yifneha rosh yudechusham. We're going to go like what the rush says. The rosh is the rabban of the Svaradim. So, is it that Moran's going to tell us that he changed his mind and said, I'm only going to ask for alcoholic beverages, but not any other type of beverage? Or is he saying, well, I didn't include it in the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah didn't bring it down, but theoretically, I brought it here in the Beit Yosef and I didn't write anywhere that I changed my mind. I didn't say that fruit drinks are, are, are permissible, or non-alcoholic beverages are permissible. Maybe, that, maybe that's what he's saying. 
So I, I'm Mr. Park. I think, in general, I'm leaning towards the side of saying that Maran's opinion is that he was closer about from what he wrote on the Beit Yosef. I know a lot of people say like that, um, and I think that that's that's the way the way to go. Um, so if you happen to be somewhere where they had uh, some type of honey drink in a soda fountain, you could, you know, I think you'd be able, no problem to, to get that at, you know, if you had a business meeting or you were at some place where they had a honey drink on the soda fountain, so fine, go ahead and, uh, you know, have that. That's certainly better than drinking an alcoholic beverage. Um, Nowadays, this isn't so common. Right? Mead it happens to become the alcoholic beverage, but plain honey drinks, unless you're putting honey in tea, isn't so common. And even that, I don't think would be a problem because the honey is tough to the tea. The tea is the ikar. You just want something to sweeten it a little bit. So you, you go to ostensibly any... We'll, we'll get to coffee shops in a second, but any place that has you know a kosher tea, get hot water... Put some tea and a little bit of honey, and you know, I, I don't, I don't see any problem with that. The, what comes of this though, is the question on coffee. Coffee was not so big a deal in the times of Monarchy Joseph, and there's a very good reason for that. It just wasn't all that readily available. Coffee came to Europe and to Asia Minor and Africa during the Columbian Exchange, which only started around the year 1500. It came from South America, so it wasn't so common to have it in these places. You could get it, but it wasn't, uh, there weren't coffee houses or things like that. Those types of things popped up in the 17th century and the first one to really talk about those is the Prihadash. So the Prihadash says in Kufidal Tziv Katan Vav, so it says, So you're allowed to drink coffee in a non Jewish place, even though it is not eaten raw, you have to roast the bean and then grind it in order to, to consume it. And it is ole al-shokhamalachim, it is at that time especially, it was something that was much more difficult to obtain, it was more of a novelty. I think today, I wouldn't necessarily, it's ole al-shokhamalachim, but I'm not sure if we would give it that deen because you could get it on any street corner. Right, there, are, there are very expensive coffees. Sure, there are very expensive coffees, and there's a number of them that aren't kosher. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, Kopi Luwak comes to mind. Uh, very expensive and very not kosher. Um, but he says, mm -hmm. It's only there as an appetizer, really. So you don't have a Bishul Akim problem with coffee. The Arizal brought it in the Knesset Gedola, also the Shiri Bracha, the Marana Chida. He was Machmir. The Menishchai also brings it down that the, that the Arizal was Machmir. Vadia and the Kafachayim come out basically that Ravadia says there's no problem, Bishulakim whatsoever. The Kafachayim says there's no problem, but 
you know, we want to be machmir to follow the Everybody seems to say the same thing. It, you know, as goes as it goes as far as going to, you know, a, a non-Jewish place to have it. But as a, in general, we're not going to say that there's a bishul akum problem with coffee. For, and for another reason that the pre-chadash didn't bring down is that even though the flavoring comes from the bean, at the end of the day, it's a little bit of flavor from the bean and a whole lot of water, and it's bottle. So, both. Both. We're gonna we're gonna get the. Right, but he's, well, he's talking about bishul akum in the kashas of the coffee itself, okay. and then also about whether it's appropriate to drink in in that place. So he's saying you could drink it in a non-Jewish place, and there is no issue issue of of uh, bishul akum with it. So the omehach tamai says. Um, from this also, so we can we can also permit another type of drink, shinikra gikolita or gikolati. Anyone know what gikolati is? Who's writing? The prichadash. Chocolate. Gikolati. Chocolate. <laughs> I guess the old Italian word for chocolate. So I'm going to hot chocolate, which incidentally used to be flavored with hot peppers as opposed to sugar. Uh, it was a spicy drink, but shenikra gikolati belaz in the language of, of Italy. Shaaf she mixed up an adam melaftim bo at the pot mekom mekom ruba de alma shotim oto below lifu da below lifu pot. So even though a lot of people drink you know drink it as an appetizer, people just kind of drink it stam. Hot chocolate's good. Everyone likes hot chocolate, right? Ubalav hachi, and even without this, yish lahatir bein akave bein. Right. So the, the, the fruit itself, which is the coffee bean, again, the coffee bean is roasted, and then it's ground, and you take the grounds and you soak water in it, and then you don't really, for the most part, drink the, the coffee grounds. Right? You're not sitting there and chewing your coffee for the most part, unless you really like you know, really bitter Turkish coffee. Um, but most people are, are not you know, chewing their coffee. So the pre itself... Is uh, is bottle right? The bottle of pre lagabe yamayim the inyan bracha, the halom mavarichin alaihu ela shalkon yabid baro. We're not saying grape eats on coffee or on chocolate. Incidentally, if you have chocolate, if you have a chocolate bar that's more than fifty percent chocolate, the halacha is that you should say grape eats on it, not shalkon yabid baro, because then it's mostly from it's mostly chocolate and therefore the the bracha shouldn't change because the flavor is there. Um, so if you have one of these seventy percent chocolate bars, so the rock on it is bright bright. So from a from a visual outcome perspective, what what uh, what about the fact that this stuff is cooked first? Like the beans are roasted right. before before they are turned into the beverage coffee. So I could see a svara that when you roast the bean, it becomes isa. Right. So the, the, there's a question like that regarding sake also. Rice is cooked and then it's turned into sake. The difference is that that's not the end result. We're going to ask the bishop based on the end result. If I'm doing something in order to make something else with that something, I'm not at the end result yet, and therefore I still have more cooking to go, essentially. 
I'm not at the end stage. If I've cooked it and that's the end stage of it, you know, if I throw chicken on the grill, that's it. You know, there's, you know, if a non-Jew throws chicken on the grill, it's bishalakum, you don't so know around it. Like, let's say a non-Jew like boils a bagel. And right. You sells, he'll sell you like the boiled bagel. Like the parboiled bagel and you, bagel take, and you take it home and bake it. So that's fine? That's fine. That'll actually be pasisra. That wouldn't even be, that wouldn't even be, uh, you know, pot palter. That would be pasisra. You finish baking it. So any parboiled, you know, par, you know, go to any uh, Costco or you get the parboiled bagels and you go home and you bake them, they are pot Israel. So, hachanami batal the Indian iser bish, the Indian iser bishol. Like, kamash ketavat hosod, beperekim ma'amidin, gavishecha shotevua. So, the tosod also says regarding, you know, wheat. Wheat is a, you make bread out of it, bread is a pot problem, so. And if I cook bread, if I make a porridge out of it, theoretically that would be a bishalakim problem. So Tosa says that if I, you know, malt the barley and roast it, turn it into wort, make a beer out of it, that's not a problem because the it's lost its bracha. It, it, the the it's no longer bracha adama. It lowers itself because the the wheat, even though it's the flavoring there, it's bottled to the the water. The water is the the acre part there. You essentially just created a flavored water. So, from the Prichadash, we get that coffee, as long as there's no Kashudish juice, coffee should be fine. The Kafachayim says the same thing in Yuridea Sivkatan Yudbet, Bashin the Prichadash and others. Now, the Shiri Bracha and the Birchi Yosef Manechida. Like I said, the, the Knesset Gedola, they're going to ask her a coffee made by a non-Jew for a Bishal Akum problem because they hold that there is a Bishal Akum issue is there, there because of the Arizal. Uh, again, we're not going to uh, be so mad here. Uh, the Chesed Avram, who is the grandfather of Ranachida, Avraham Zulai, is mad on coffee for two reasons. One, he I'm says... Gonna, I'm just trying to say, I'm talking about just... So here we're talking about a cautious reason, cautious. which would okay. extend to the coffee house. You wouldn't be able to have it in the coffee house anyway. Well, I know, but before we spoke about like beer, even if it's kosher, it's right. in the bar. So here we're talking. Now we're talking about uh, if I'm minus the Right. So the pre-chadish's opinion here is going to be that. As long as the coffee's kosher and add anything crazy to it, that I can even drink it in a coffee house. That's the prichadash. So the chesed of Avraham is actually going to be machmir for two reasons. And both, for and one for each reason. He's going to have one reason for each for each issue. He's going to say we have a problem of. No, the prichadash is make long coffee, and the kafachayim is make long coffee. The chesed of Avraham. On Lavush is Machmir. One, he says coffee is Bechlal Shekhar because it's something you're basically, you, you don't just sit there and you know, you don't drink coffee really quickly. You sit there and you schmooze over it. So you're kind of being Kovea yourself while you're eating or drinking the coffee. And that's why you shouldn't drink it in a bar. Right, and that's why you shouldn't drink it in a, in a coffee house. What about the, the cautious of it, he is not going to say that he's going to, theoretically, he doesn't he doesn't say anything on Lavush. So I. I would say that Chazal Avraham is going to say that the coffee would be much as long as he take it out. As long as he take it out, he's going to say it's fine. He does. 
bring a second reason to ask for drinking it in a coffee house. He says Moshe relates him. Is, you don't need to go, you know. Where was the Chesed of Ram? Oh. Uh, if, so on the, if, if you get the, the Levush, um, the one, uh, is Machon Yushalayim or the nice seven volume set of Levush? No, 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 no. When was he? Oh, the, 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 he was. Uh, yeah, that was born, I think, in 1724. So right. So Abraham would have been mid 17th century. Right, when, somewhere when, in the... When it's dead, I guess the, the coffee house was already like a big thing. That was, right. that was when it became a big craze. Right, the 17th century, coffee really took off. And people would go all the time, and you could go, and many of the intellectual hubs of Europe, you could go find all sorts of philosophers and people schmoozing and talking and discussing, uh, you know, all sorts of inyanim and astronomy and, and, and this there, and not knocking those things. There's there's good things to learn, you know, from astronomy and from you know from 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 science and, and ge geology. There's a lot of things you can learn, and even if you're not necessarily going to use them, you're not going to be a geologist. There's a lot of things you can learn that are going to help you in your avodah Hashem also. So, but the problem is just to sit there for hours on end and discuss them for you know. Right, for sure. And they're schmoozing about all sorts of things. You know, people you know taking a break and they just go and hang out with, uh, right. you know, Pedro or Geppetto over there and talking about the, whatever they want. So he says that it's a motion of latham. You shouldn't you shouldn't consume it there. Take it home. So the Beni Shchai in Shanabet Parshat Kukai. I want to say it's if. Ted Zion, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Ted Zion. So he says that there's room to be stringent, but there's also what to rely on to be lenient. Again, he brings down the Arizal that he offers coffee for bishul reasons. Um, the Shelet Yavitz, which is a Riyakov Ebnimin Svi, son of the 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 Chacham Svi. Also says kind of the same thing. It's ill-advised. Yes, Bikaradin, you could go as long as it's a kosher coffee. You could go to, you know, any sort of coffee house and you could, you know, sit there and drink it or sit there with, you know, your your business partner and and have that, and that wouldn't be a problem. The Chokhmat Adam also happens to write the Halacha should be like the Prichadash, right? So he wants to say, yeah, totally fine. Because over generations have gotten weaker, we should be stringent. He says this also in Klaus um, Amikvav. Um, the Kafachayim also brings down and the Zivchet Tzedek says the same thing Mishum Eva uh, there's plenty of room to be lenient so if you know you uh, you go to your you have a non-Jewish business partner or a neighbor and they invite you over and you know they have uh, ostensibly some sort of kosher uh, mechanism or he tells you you know bring over your little kumkum and we'll you know we'll get some water and make some coffee and we'll sit and we'll talk so you want to be neighborly, you know, and uh, have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea with the guy. The cup of is going to say you shouldn't. You don't have to be machmer in that case, Mishum Eva, because you know then you're going to start uh, ostracizing yourself and uh, making the the neighbors, uh, you know, hate you and say Jews are all, uh, you know, they're not but so friendly. That's, that's and a very interesting side because isn't the whole Gezeira, to the extent that Gezeira exists, the whole point of Gezeira is to keep you separate. Right. So, I mean, why don't, why, I mean, exactly. you could eat, you know, like, the whole point is to keep you separate. So to say, oh, but if you got to do it to socialize with them, it seems a little bit paradoxical. Right, so he, I, I think 
I think there's two things here. One is, as we said, this gazera is a very, very lenient gazera. We're nowhere near as machmir. We're nowhere near as machmir with with sheichar and coffee, even less so to a certain extent. We're nowhere near as machmir sheichar as we are with pot or with bishul or with chalov or with yain. It's a very weak zera in in general. So, you know, the the concept of suffix to the kula here really really applies. Like any sort of you know suffix out out is is really going to be you know what you have what to rely on there. The Sure, I, I agree. I just think to say Ava is a subject is a little now, strange. Yes and no, because th- there's a difference between going out and purposely going to a coffee house or something like that with you know non Jewish neighbors or buddies or whatever it is, and you go there on a regular basis every Wednesday night, and, and, and it becomes a hangout. Versus, you, you know, your neighbor invites you over and. You know, Sunday afternoon and says, hey, you know, uh, we've been neighbors for six months and we haven't really got to know each other. And, you know, our kids are playing out in the front yard together. So, like, you know, come on over and have a, a cup of coffee. I, I think that, that that's a very different situation. We're not we're not saying that, you know, from this one situation, you're going to, you know, that's a, a hot new issue. The whole idea is that you don't want to be, again, the last one of the rush is you can't be Kovea Atzma. If you do it on a not-so-regular basis, and the Kavachayim wants to say that's three times, what three times actually means is a machol and a postgame, but I think the idea is that as long as it's, you don't do it three times with the same person, um, you, you know, it, then you know, it's okay. So one time you have to go to you know, the, the office party or you know, there's, a, you know, there's an office get-together at the, you know, some coffee house or whatever, and you can find a kosher option. I think for that reason, you know, we, we you, you know you're only going. That's the difference. When you're doing it, Mishum Eva, you, you're not going because you're trying to hang out with the person and you're trying to, to make a whole matzah about it. You're going because you don't want the guy to hate you and call the police on you because you had two extra people in your house or, you know, something like that. Um, so I, I think that's where the that custom is going to come from, especially, again, since the Pichadash and others are going to say that, regardless, it's not a problem. So there is a question, according to Chokmot Adam, whether you could actually, let's say, I'm not going with, you know, I'm not meeting my neighbor or my business partner at a Starbucks or something like that. I'm just going by myself. Or let's say a group of girls got home from uh, you know, spending six months in Israel, and uh, a month later they all got together and they or they want to get together, and now they're all going to you know the coffee house. So, are they allowed to do that, or would they have to take the drinks to go? Right? Seemingly, especially for Bnei Sfarad, the custom should be to be lenient. The Kavachai and the Prichadash are going to tell me that as long as it's in a non-Jewish establishment, I'm not going to... That's the difference. In the establishment also, like it's a coffee house, you know, I'm not really talking with the, you know, the, the barista or the person making the coffee. I'm sitting there with my, you know, my chavra. It's us, uh, you know, yeshiva guys or seminary girls or, you know, a group of people from the neighborhood. So I'm not interacting with everybody else. So in that case, I think Especially for Bnei Sfarad, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't ha- have any problem uh, over there. Um, anyone wants to be machmir to vala beracha, but you know I, I don't think that there's necessarily a, a 
know, a chiyuv to be uh, to be crazy machver in the situation, especially since again, coffee in general is not bechal shechar. Right? Only according to the rush, maybe it's a bechal shechar, but it, nobody else is going to say that. The only question is, do we consider it to be the same type of thing as a bar or or something like that because of the proliferation of the coffee house environment and the similar situation to what a bar is. Um, so I, I would say that there shouldn't be a problem with drinking coffee um, if you go to one of these coffee houses. The only issue you're going to have, and that's what I want to finish with, is... Even you, if they, uh, they wash all the dishes in right. the washing machine when they... So that's, that's the problem. There's no, I'm going to say that there's no issue with consuming the coffee there. The question really is, are you able to consume the coffee? Right. A lot of places, right, so a lot of places, what they do is, where did my A lot of places, what they do is, they, what they do is, they, uh, what they do is they take they take the kalim. Same, same reason you said about the kalim in the beer making. Right, it's the same issue. What they do is there's not necessarily a separate situation for the coffee pots, and a lot of coffee houses nowadays aren't just making coffee. When the pre chadash and all the other postmen were talking about a coffee house, they weren't really making sandwiches and breakfast and eggs and bacon and all these other things in in their places. They made coffee or tea, and that was really about it. Nowadays, you have utensils that, not all the time, but occasionally, different parts of different utensils are washed in the same dishwasher or sanitizer or whatever as the same dishes that they're using, or the other dishes that they're using to you know, grill the eggs or uh, to, to fry up some bacon or something like that. And you know, when you have grease and, and pieces of food bain, so even if you're using soap, you know, or some other type of bittering or sanitizing agent, it's not going to help you. It only helps you if there's a minimal amount of grease or the kalim are clean before they throw them in the dishwasher. But if they're all just sitting in a, you know, a, a, a soup of hot water and all everything mixing together, so then those kalim are going to become trave. So there, are, there is, however, a leniency here. When you're at home, and this is going into more questions in, in earlier parts of your idea, like in Tarubot, where when you're at home, you're in your hometown, so that's a situation will give the deen of Lichat Chila. So in a Lichat Chila situation, if you know that the coffee houses, you know, everything's washed together in the Kalim Retrafe, so then you shouldn't rely on that, and you should drink your own coffee at home and make it yourself. Right. A lot of Starbucks's they wash certain things together, but certain things not. Happens to be you go to any Starbucks, right? Just about any Starbucks, you can get a cold brew, or you can get um, you can get a hot tea because the water urns are all kept separate. Anything that's just hot water or just water, everything that, in, in that case, that's all kept separate. Because they don't want anything, any time of anything else getting into that urn. You want, if, they, if someone's buying a hot tea, they don't want tea with coffee flavor or some other flavor or anything else in it. 
You just want plain water and you stick your tea bag in it. So if, as long as the, the tea you're buying has hashkacha on it, because a lot of them are flavored, right? so fine. Get yourself hot water. And, and that, by the way, almost any coffee shop you go to, Starbucks or not, you're safe as bad as a hot tea. You mean cold brew or just the hot tea? Um, at Starbucks, cold brew is okay, but I don't know. You'd have to know about the policies of each and every coffee shop. On the side that's cold brew is fine. Cold brew, the, the Kalim receptor, it's only cold. So we don't have an issue with, with cold Kalim. You, you, can, you can, on a bit situation, you're a, really, you could on a temporary basis, basically, put something kosher in a non-kosher kli as long as it's cold. I understand that, that I know. I'm saying, I saw it many times, what they did here is they brew the coffee hot and then they put ice in it or chill it. Right, so that's, that, that's iced coffee. Iced coffee would be a problem. But, but cold brew, which is all they do is they take coffee and they soak it in water and leave it in the fridge for 12 hours or whatever it is, overnight or however long they're leaving it, that's not going to be a problem. And even if they left it for 24 hours, it really wouldn't be a problem either because after 24 hours, even though the coffee, we would say, that would go into the walls and would be kavush, any bliot that are in that kli were also, you know, became pagum after 24 hours. So you wouldn't have a problem there either. So, however, we do have a general cloud. Stam kli eno binyomo. So we say we have that, and we have another one that we know that not every day or every time are they washing all the kalim at Starbucks or all these places with the other with the you know the, the trafe equipment. So it's bitty evident to rely on that. But let's say I'm not at home. Let's say I'm traveling, or I stopped at a rest stop on in the, you know on the road. I'm uh, driving from Philadelphia to Chicago, and I stopped in Ohio. You know, I have to go uh, use the facilities and I want to get a coffee to keep myself awake on the road. So there, you, when you're traveling, right, we call that a shadadacha. You don't really have anywhere else to go. Right? Shadadacha kebediyev dummy. When you have something that, that's not a, 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 a normal situation, so there we can see you can rely on the bediyev opinions. Right? There's several here you can rely on. One, as I said, stankli inabuyomo. We know that not every day they're washing it. And also, a klisheni, bidi evit is never usher. This is a chedesh of Rabbi Kiva Eger who says that any klisheni can't be usher anything. It can't become usher. So when it's washed together, you're basically turning, you know, that kli is, is, is essentially going to be a klisheni. So you, you can rely on those. So you could get almost basically any hot coffee at a Starbucks or one of these other roadside uh, coffee places. If you're if you're traveling, once you're at your destination or you come back home, so then that doesn't apply. There are certain things that at at least at Starbucks that are allowed. Um, and I sent out in the the group um, the Star K uh, Starbucks info for this year, but we'll just go over a couple things. So any bottled Starbucks drink with a KD means it's Hall of Stam, but it's kosher. Um, there is someone. It's not just a you know government K or something. There actually is somebody behind that. Um, so that's allowed. The Americano coffee that you get at Starbucks is actually espresso with hot water. It's watered down espresso. That you're allowed to get. The only thing is, you should tell them don't use the shot glass. 
they use a, the espresso machine, the lines are separate and it's a totally different thing. They don't clean the espresso machine the way they do everything else. So the espresso would be fine, like a, a plain espresso would be fine, or the Americano would be fine. As long as you tell them, don't use the, the they use like a shot glass separator kind of thing. Just tell them to pour it like straight from the machine into your, into your cup. Right? Don't use a little, you know, shot, whatever they catch the espresso in and dump it in or whatever. Don't, just put it straight in the cup. Espresso. Right, espresso. What about, what about Americano? Is it any herb? No, Americano is espresso and then they add hot water to it. It's watered oh, down espresso. Okay, okay, okay. Right? The regular hot coffee, so that at Starbucks you couldn't get unless you're on the road. So you can't go to, you know, in your hometown, you can't go to the regular Starbucks and get the regular hot coffee in the air. But on the road, you, uh, on the road you'd be allowed because they're, they're hetarian because it's, it's a bit evident it would be kosher. But when you're home and you're in a lechachila situation, we don't rely on, on, on the, on the bit oh, right. So if anyone has any questions regarding... Anyone has any questions regarding the... The specific Starbucks drinks, I can't tell you Dunkin' Donuts or any of the others. Again, you'd have to know the the procedures of how the the, the place operates. But for Starbucks, if you, in the group, I sent out the, the actual PDF. You can also just go online and search for Star K Starbucks information. They typically update it like twice a year um, based on, you know, changes in practice. Um, so there, you know, you'd be allowed that. So... Um, Again, as with everything else, it would saying your best bet is always to get something kosher and something certified kosher. If you can't, there are there are plenty of lists and that the hashkachas have given out for use by the general public to say, hey, these we know are at least less problematic, and you can rely on these certain things. Obviously, if you can get kosher, it's better, and they tell you that on the list, but. You know, if you can't, or you're traveling, or some other situation where you don't have that option, so then these are the things that are that are good to get. Um, and I think uh, with that, we will uh, end for tonight. And next week, we will discuss uh, the whiskey. Not, not next week. Next time. It'll be in a couple, two, three weeks. Um, we'll discuss. Uh, the whiskey making process, the distillation process, and we'll get into uh, our favorite and most asked question regarding uh, sherry cask. Uh, the short. That's, I mean, that's what you're only waiting for. I know that's what we're waiting for. I'm, I'm, I'm stringing everybody along. Whenever to come, you know, I'm stringing everybody along. But next, next time is Rather Shem. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to sherry cask. This year should be for Rafuah Shlema for uh, Yisrael Noach Ben Leah. Um, it's not a very difficult matzah, so we should have a refuah shleima. And uh, Bezat Hashem, we'll see everybody next time for uh, our big Indian. So they're going to be tasty?